Welcome to the 70 Yuma Union High School District's foray into podcasting. I'm today's host, Eric Patton, and I'm excited to have a chance to learn a little bit about the world of coaching and athletics. Today's guests are both varsity head coaches in our district and are both relatively new to the role. J.L. Good, who just started his first season as the head football coach at Gila Ridge, has been a teacher in the district for several years and has also served as an assistant football coach for many years prior to getting what he described as his dream opportunity. Jessica Gastelum coaches two varsity sports at Yuma High, volleyball and softball. While she headed the softball program a year ago, this fall marks her first season as the volleyball coach for the Criminals, while also transitioning to teaching on the campus as well. I wanted to talk to them both because I'm interested in the stories of what led them to become coaches, how they fared as new coaches, and what kind of challenges and rewards they get from dedicating such a large chunk of their lives to the profession. Thank you for carving out a few minutes of, I'm sure, your busy schedules to be here before practice today. Um, Just thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, uh, we'll start with you, Jessica. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what got you into coaching to begin with? Uh, what got me into coaching to begin with is just my love of athletics. I was a three-sport varsity letterman at my own high school, so transitioning into coaching is just passing on the knowledge that I've taken on for so many years, learning from all the different coaches I have to then transition and give it to somebody else. How about you, Jay? Uh, It's very similar. I love the sport of football, and I had a very influential head football coach growing up, and assistant coaches as well. And so just being able to interact with peers at that, or interact with students at that level and be that person for them, that's why I'm in coaching. So did your experiences as athletes did you ever think that you were going to potentially be coaches one day when, when you're playing as an athlete, say, in high school? Uh, I, I, I did. <laughs> I made up after my junior year uh, that I wanted to be a football coach. I didn't think I wanted to become a head football coach, but I knew I wanted to be an assistant coach for sure. And then I started talking with my coach immediately after I stopped playing my senior year and got some opportunities through him. So I did, but I kind of carved that path out for me myself pretty early. For myself, I would have to say no. When I was out of high school, I was kind of the traditional. I didn't know where I was going to go or what I was going to do. But I kind of took on some roles working with elementary schools and then working my way up and realized, oh, this is something that I want to do. I want to be around the older kids. I want to kind of make my mark with them at that really pivotal point in their lives. So what's interesting is that you say you worked your way up to be a varsity head coach, but you were also working way up in education. You were teaching uh, middle school students as recently as last year and trying to coach varsity softball at Yuma High at that same time. Since then, you've now transitioned to being a freshman English teacher. So you've gone from eighth graders to ninth graders. Um, But you're also now the head coach of of volleyball at at Yuma High as well. Um, What has that transition from middle school to high school been like for you? The transition from middle school to high school in the classroom has been pretty um, pretty easy. I have a lot of the same kids that I taught last year. I was given the opportunity to teach at Yuma High, and I transitioned, like you said, from 4th Avenue. So that's one of the main feeder schools. So I have a lot of the kids that I know. But athletically, um, with the coaching, it's definitely been um, a lot easier. It's much more convenient with me being on campus where the girls have access to me all day long, not 
trying to find me, trying to figure out what I'm doing. And so that's definitely added a boost in participation with my players and with, I think, the girls overall um, at Yuma High. Well, you've talked about participation and the participation numbers for volleyball are sort of unprecedented for Yuma High in recent years this year. I don't necessarily think you'll take the credit, but I'm going to give you some credit on that. <laughs> what do you think contributed to getting those numbers up for the, the girls at UMI? Definitely with the help of Miss Morago and all the athletics department, they've really been pushing, promoting the kids to participate and stuff. So I did my part by going out during lunch, talking to kids, getting kids involved, even if they don't want to specifically play my sport getting the kids involved in doing something. So being visible to the students, being the person that maybe they don't directly know who you are, but they have a friend that knows who you are and what you coach and what you do. So they can ask around and talk to each other. And, and I think that's really promoted, not just an influx and in participation within my sport, but also with the kids getting things turned in early, getting ready to participate in other sports, um, getting things taken care of earlier on instead of waiting till the day of tryouts and things like that. Jay, what what was it like for you? You were a assistant football coach at COFA and you were teaching there. Um, and then to go to a new campus, to have to get familiar with that campus and the student body and the right. athletes that you're gonna be working with. What was that process like for you over the summer leading into the fall? Um, a lot like being a new teacher again. It felt like it was my first year again. You know, I'm jumping in and I don't know what to expect. So every day has been a learning experience. You know, I've been fortunate enough. I was hired in March, so I've been able to work with the kids for several months now throughout the summer. And we've built some really strong relationships. Uh, and then just with teaching, it felt like day one of teaching, it kind of almost started over. Not with the relationships of my athletes, but now I got to build relationships with my students. And it's been, it's been awesome, but it's just a little different transitioning, you know. I'm the one make, calling the shots now. That was a struggle at first. Like, uh, who should I go to about this? Oh, myself. That's right. So that was a little <laughs> bit different, but I'm, get, I'm getting better at it now. I'm getting more used to it. And communicating with my athletes and communicating with my coaches has been a bit of a learning curve. But it's definitely something that I've gotten better at since the summer. And we've seen some big gains from it. Are relationships, and we hear this a lot, but are relationships something that really go underestimated in terms of how important that is in building a program or sustaining a program? Oh, absolutely. I think relationships are the number one thing because you could be the best coach. You could, you know, you could have coached in college and have 18 national championships, but if kids don't like you and kids don't see that you care about them, at the end of the day, they're more than likely not going to come out in droves like they are at Yuma High for volleyball to come play for you. So I think relationships are the number one piece. And then after you've formed that relationship with the athlete, then you can show them, okay, this is all my knowledge of the game, and they're going to take it, and they're going to be receptive to it. Jessica's been nodding most of the time <laughs> that you, you were answering that. What do you do to build some of those relationships in a positive way? Building relationships with students inside the classroom and outside of the classroom is the same. You kind of have to give a piece of yourself to them. Uh, show them that you're not just the person in charge. There is give and take. There is compromise. There is understanding. They know personal information, too. They know information about my family. They know information about my kids. Those really building those personal relationships with the kids drastically, um, as Jay was saying, drastically improve participation. They improve 
the effort the kids come out and put into the onto the field as well as into the classroom, it, it goes hand in hand. So we talked about some of the positive stuff, but I'm sure there are challenges also to whether it's building a program up, um, but also getting buy-in from, from students uh, to, to be out there for a variety of reasons, whether it's buy-in to just show up or buy-in to compete to win um, or any of that level of interest in, you know, in, in participating in high school athletics. How do you guys handle that buy-in issue or, or getting students you know, whether it's through those relationships or not, to, to be out there and, and want to be out there every day. The one thing I really chalk up to my players and to the girls that are coming out and participating is they have this drive to push themselves to the limit. I don't, there is not a single person that's part of my program that I would count as a quitter. They are out there working, conditioning, giving it 100%. We are working on skills. These are girls that maybe don't have the outside resources to build on certain skills, but they're coming to school, they're working hard, they're doing what they need to do to get better. Not just, I wanna be a better volleyball player, they're doing everything they can to be just a better all overall person. They're working on communication skills, they're working on um, being better friends to each other, they're working academically, and so all of that kind of comes into play. Uh, I just kind of be myself and don't relent with it. Like, I don't let the athletes and their attitudes um, affect really who I am with them. Because I know at the end of the day, I've built relationships in the past and it, it's going to continue. And I, I like to show the kids that I fail and I struggle with things because I think that's a big thing in the relationship yeah. piece. Is if I can admit as the head coach, like, hey, I messed up on this. I shouldn't have called this play or I shouldn't have done this at practice. The kids see it. And they're like, okay, so it is It is okay to fail. Failure is feedback, and we can grow from it. And that's one thing I'm trying to push. For me, I also establish four pillars of success within my program. And I have my assistant coaches every Thursday. They speak personally about how the four pillars have affected their life beyond the football field. And I intentionally try to stay away from it because obviously I made them, I buy into them. But seeing the other coaches, the assistant coaches, these guys who they've had long relationships with, speak about it and say like this is how integrity effort community and family have affected my life it's really starting to show some buy-in and the kids are like all right he's committed to this and we should start buying in and commit to it as well you you talked about assistant coaches um i can imagine that there is not much success if you're on your own or you don't have assistance that you can rely on um what makes assistant coaches so valuable and how do you see their role and i guess jay for you first you were an assistant so what how did that experience lead to your your head coaching position now and then how did, how does that help your appreciation for assistant coaches uh, as a head coach oh absolutely you know as a assistant coach i was fortunate to work underneath two head coaches that i respected a lot and there were times where I'd watch them and I'd be like, man, I love that idea. I want to take it. And there were and times. And that's Ben Franz and David Deal? Yep, Ben okay. Franz and David Deal. And then there were also times that I'd watch it and be like, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that. And I was able to sit down with both of them and ask them the why behind it. And that's been huge as far as me as a head coach. I think because I was able to work with both of them and ask those questions and be comfortable with them, I'm a little bit better off as a first year head coach than I would have been had I not had that opportunity. As far as my assistance goes, uh, I couldn't run the program without quality assistance that I trusted. It's just, it. I last Friday night was my first football game. 
you know, this is the first time I've ever coached in my career where I'm not calling either side of the ball. And for the, about the first two minutes, it was weird. But then I'm taking care of everything. I'm talking to my O-line. I'm talking to my special teams. I'm getting my coaches. I'm talking to everybody. I'm like, man, I couldn't imagine trying to call the defense right now. This would be a nightmare. So having people that I can trust and can handle that allows me to focus on the big picture, focus on the culture, and really let this program shine as well as it can. Did that also help you from not throwing up before your first year? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it did a little bit. Knowing that there's someone that I can bounce ideas off of for the game plan and really ultimately trust them with formulating the game plan and I'll give my input and ultimately give the stamp of approval, it helped a lot. I was definitely nervous for sure, but it was a it was a good nervousment nerves whatever that we're um it was it was definitely good and knowing that my coaches can handle it it definitely helped calm me a little bit for you jessica it's not a football program where you're overseeing nine assistants or something like that but you're overseeing multiple assistants as well and multiple levels of a program that you got to be concerned with for not just now but for the future when those students uh, are playing for you at the varsity level uh, what kind of things do you do with your assistants to sort of build them up um, and build the program? We're really working on kind of making sure we're all on the same page when it comes to how we want the squads, each individual squad to be run. The different drills we do all prepare them, like you said, for the varsity level. So whether it's JVA or JVB, they're working together, figuring out, okay, this works for these players. This doesn't work. This is something that we can motivate them to try a little bit harder on, skills we need to fine-tune. But overall, without my assistant coaches, just like Jay said, I, I couldn't do it by myself. Um, it would be impossible. Running around like a chicken with my head cut off if I was trying to oversee everything and have fingers in the, in the cookie jar all over the place, it would be impossible. Um, I'm really lucky that I actually got an assistant coach that has been an assistant coach so she had some insight as to kind of what wasn't working with the players coming in. So I've really taken a lot of that uh, feedback and been able to revamp certain things. And hopefully we'll look at having uh, a better season this year. When it comes to revamping certain things, you guys in the fall right now are both entering your first year. But you have a year under your belt as the varsity softball coach. How, did, how does year one help? you prepare now for year two in terms of revamping things or are there things that you will change or things that you uh, learned from that year one that you can take into year two coming in as a new head coach for softball it was a learning experience overall um, never being a head softball coach before I was really trying to figure out especially on the north end side of town the kids are different at every school you go to so I was really learning the kids learning things that work for them learning things that don't work for them so that transition from year one to year two, it's every year is a learning experience. I think that's one of the benefits of being a teacher on campus as well, or just a, an overall learner as a person is every year is a new experience. You have 50 new personalities coming in. So you have to kind of modify each year. There are like Jay said, he has his four pillars and that's what he supports. And those pillars are kind of a starting point, I would think. And then you branch off from a, from that to accommodate each of the kids. I'm the same way. I have kind of set pillars. There's grades, sportsmanlike, certain things that the girls have to follow all the time. And then from there, we make modifications and adjustments in order to support the girls academically as well as emotionally. And so that transition from the first year to the second year is really changing 
um, from what I've learned in softball season to what I'm learning now. It's a whole, it's a lot of the same girls. I have a lot of girls that are coming out for volleyball just because they're like, well, we liked you as a softball coach, so we're going to like you as a volleyball coach. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Little do they know. Yeah, little do they know what they're in for. (laughs) Before we wrap things up, I wanted to have a little bit of fun. I know that, uh, Jessica, you're a big San Francisco Giants fan. I am. And I learned earlier today that Jay, while being from Michigan, is not a Lions fan, but actually a Steelers fan. <laughs> Do you, you guys, actually, can you really quickly explain in you know a few seconds why you're a fan of the, of the teams that you are? Uh, my dad was a huge Steelers fan growing up. So in middle school, when I actually started getting interested in football, that was always on. And then it's something that my dad and I still bond about today. So really, it's kind of about family. And now I just bleed black and gold. Uh, mine has to do with a personal experience. Um, my family is always, I'm from California, so California teams, we support everybody except the Dodgers. And, um, <laughs> but we fully support the Giants a lot now at my house because uh, my husband actually proposed to me when um, the Giants stadium was AT&T Park, when one of his friends was playing for the Giants. So it now holds this extra special piece um, for me and the, having a baseball team that is just even better. <laughs> so we're going to quickly do a rapid fire, uh, quick, not quiz, but just uh, feel. I'm like, I get, didn't study. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, I've been pushed on my team for a while. I don't even know who the students have right now. <laughs> uh, no, just looking back on some of your favorite memories, I'll, I'll ask you each back and forth a couple of quick questions and then we'll, we'll wrap things up here. So uh, Jessica, if you had to choose, is it the person that's sort of the most iconic maybe in recent Giants history or the most iconic from their World Series teams, Barry Bonds or Madison Bumgarner? It's Barry Bonds forever, Barry Bonds. <laughs> There's no competition for any any baseball player. Barry Bonds is, is the best. Okay, and so I'm going to ask a little, probably more controversial question for you. <laughs> okay. You guys went from having three killer bees to one, one. Uh, but the two that left didn't leave on the most ceremonial terms right. let's say um, in Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown I'm sure you still have fond memories of both of them if you had to Absolutely. choose Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell which one are you riding with oh Le'Veon Bell all day every day Le'Veon Bell okay um, so Jessica back to you you got three World Series teams I have a feeling I know which one <laughs> of the three that you prefer but since 2010 the Giants won three times and uh, full disclosure I'm also a Giants fan, but uh, which one of those three do you feel you connect with the most? The 2014 Giants team. That's the year um, previous to the All-Star break. They were just kind of taking a hit, just rolling with the punches, though. Nothing really extravagant. Uh, But then my husband and I went up there for a trip, and he proposed to me at AT AT&T Park, and it just seems like everything fell into place, and after that, they won the World Series. So the 2014 team (laughs) is definitely my my team. It feels like you're taking a little bit of credit for the turnaround. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) All right, last one. So, Jay, uh, you've got some Super Bowl championships to celebrate, and, of course, the four in the 70s, but also in in recent history Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, you've got the one for the thumb team with Jerome Bettis that beat the Seahawks. And then you've also got a, a more recent Super Bowl champion when Roethlisberger won, uh, I believe, his second. Yep. Um, which one of those teams uh, are you most identifying with? 
Ooh, that's tough because the 2005 Super Bowl was the first one where I got to watch the Steelers actually win it. Uh, but I would have to say 2008. You know, I was playing football. It meant a little bit more to me. I've been following the team for a couple years at that point, and it was just fun to watch them beat up on the Cardinals. And that last-second touchdown on Santonio Holmes, I will never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> it was an amazing catch, and I'm sure for a lot of people listening from Arizona, that's also bringing up some very negative memories. <laughs> uh, well, hey, guys, I, I appreciate it. I hope you had a, a lot of fun. We actually talked for uh, a lot longer than I expected. It was probably uh uh, proof that it was a good conversation, at least I hope. Thank you very much for, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. The 70 is a YUHSD podcast hosted by Eric Patton and Superintendent Gina Thompson. The goal of The 70 is to provide insight, levity, and hopefully some relatable content for all stakeholders interested in public education. It is released twice monthly and debuted August 28, 2019. You can listen to The 70 on yumaunion.org's podcast page or subscribe on iTunes or numerous other podcast hosting services.